With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking. When we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael the Podpina, and I'm joined on the other line by Sports Illustrated senior writer Chris Herring. Uh, before we kick off today's show, I want to cede the floor to you, Chris, uh, to give Open Floor listeners a quick little update about your book, Blood in the Garden, the flagrant history of the 1990s New York Knicks. What, what is the latest, man? Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate you. It's good to have you back. Um, yeah, I've, I've been working on a book for the better part of the last two and a half years, I guess. And I guess finally my editor said, okay, you finally done just enough for us to, um, to put this thing on sale or I guess pre-sale. It, um, it'll come out in stores and everything on January 18th and get delivered to folks on January 18th. But, uh, they did put it on pre-sale we did do a cover reveal for it. So I've got it at the top of my Twitter page, um, so that people can buy it. Hopefully I obviously put a lot of work into it and interviewed a couple hundred people about it and you know basically I guess I didn't really make an argument but I think over the course of the book kind of laid out that um, as we watched the last dance documentary I think most of us last year um, and we talk about the 90s as, as one of the golden eras in the NBA you can't really fully explain what that era was and how that era operated without understanding that Knicks team and um it was a fun kind of exercise for me to, you know, you know, Michael, that I use a lot of numbers and stuff like that and to kind of move away from that and to just kind yeah. of focus more on letting folks tell their stories and try to really get to the bottom of what happened in certain moments that, that the stuff that's not completely out there that everybody knows already to try to get under the surface of a team that was extremely colorful, extremely physical, um, <laughs> And, you know, a team that, that had its infighting from time to time with their coaches, with their executives, what have you, um, and a lot of personalities on the team. So a team that was really different in a lot of different ways. But again, a team that to me and the way I kind of described them uh, in the early stages of the book, they were kind of the Forrest Gump of that era, in my opinion, <laughs> in the sense that Forrest Gump was always in a scene, whether it was with was it Nixon or someone else. And um, 
you know, in the war and at Alabama in the football game. And he was always kind of in the, in the frame, but not the focal point of what was happening all the time. They were related, related and, to the zeitgeist of the moment. Yes, exactly. From OJ to, you know, eight points in nine seconds to all the MJ situations to, you know, arguably the, the most bitter rivalry that we saw in that era with the heat mm-hmm. um, and the Knicks and, you know, and them hating Pat Riley. So I, I don't know. I, I think that it's a team that doesn't get quite as much attention as they deserve outside of New York, at least because they never won it. And generally you don't see books about teams that don't win the whole thing. But I think that this team was worthy of that, that write up and that attention. And, um, and I'm hopeful that, you know, folks read it and take a chance to read it, that they enjoy it. So thanks for giving me a chance to plug it. Of course. I mean, in my mind's eye, when I think about that era, like that, those Knicks personify a lot of the style of basketball that I think about. So they're the first thing that I really think about, besides like Michael Jordan, when I think about the 90s right. in basketball. And they're so beloved by Knicks fans, and there are a lot of Knicks fans. And every single one of them should um, pre-order your book. Um, and everyone who doesn't like the Knicks should also pre-order your book. So that's just about every human being on the face of the earth. So hopefully, you know, before it comes be out, we'll, <laughs> before it comes out, we'll, uh, there'll be plenty of opportunities to chat a little bit more about it. Um, on today's show, we have uh, a ton of stuff that we have to cover. Basically everything that's happened in free agency or a lot of it since day one, which we covered in our, um, earlier episode this week with, uh, Rohan and I. Uh, but first, I want to uh, I want to say thanks to everyone for just pouring in these emails to openfloormail at gmail dot com. That's openfloormail at gmail dot com. We're getting a ton of fantastic questions and um, from our great listeners from all over the globe. Um, I'm going to deviate a bit from our normal outline, or the, at least the outline that I sent to you um, to prepare for this episode, Chris. And I'm going to read. Um, a late arriving email that we just got from a listener named Jack because the topic at hand was very near and dear <laughs> to my heart. And so <laughs> I want to get it over with at the top of the show. Um, but Jack writes, hi, Michael and Chris. This is my first email to the show as a 21-year-old basketball enthusiast from southeastern Massachusetts and longtime listener. I've been listening since shortly after Michael took over co-hosting with Ben Golliver. This pod helped me get through COVID-19 when it first started and was actually the first place I heard about the NBA shutdown at the time. I love listening and look forward to each new episode of the pod with Chris and Rohan. Before I get into what I'd like to ask, I just want to applaud Michael for being a steadfast defender of my Boston Celtics. <laughs> for, all, for all the blasphemous smack talk everyone gives about the Celtics, Michael always finds a way to stay in their corner. And yes, Rob Williams is KG 2.0 as referenced in Monday's episode with Rohan. Shout out to you, Jack. This is a question I've had over the past few years and still find myself thinking about after the most recent postseason. To put it plainly, what is the next step for the Celtics? In a pretty strong Eastern Conference that just got stronger with the Heat adding Lowry and re-signing Jimmy Butler, the Bucks still being a powerhouse, the Bulls making a lot of moves, and the Nets being, well, the Nets, what can Boston do? With the Evan Fournier departure interest and Thompson deal seeming to add some guards to the already backcourt-heavy rotation, do you think they'll run it back with this lineup, or is there something larger coming? Or do you think they they believe this is the best version of themselves and are going to go for a playoff push right now? So again, thank you, Jack, for sending that email. Um, Jack also mentioned that he's a student at UMass Amherst, which is where my father went to school. So I just wanted to quickly mention that. Go Minutemen. Um, 
Okay, so Chris, I'll throw it to you. I obviously have a ton of thoughts about this, um, but I'll throw it to you first. Um, just what do you think about Boston's offseason strategy? I, I like there's no moves so far, really, so it's tough to really yeah. comment on them. But just their general offseason strategy and uh, beyond that, how good do you think they can be this season? Well, it's been a it's been an off season. I'll say that, like you said, not because of how many moves they've made, but uh, it, I'll certainly say it was interesting. I don't think it's very mm-hmm. often that you see a starting backcourt, you know, move to another team within the same division uh, that is also a playoff team. And if yeah. and when that happens, it's generally not, you know, the Celtics watching it happen to another team uh, or for another team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess we'll get to this later within what, what you've got in your outline. I mean, it's it's not as if that backcourt did not produce together, particularly it did not play well together. So um, it, it's been an off season. I you know I I'm not as I don't I don't feel that worried about it yet. Um, you know, Brad Stevens. We're gonna have to see what he does. I I don't think that um, looking at the the Kimba situation, man. Uh, so people on Twitter have already kind of gotten to this, but kind of looking at what that turned into and how that went about and, and what Boston kind of did. Um, uh, you know, a lot of things have been spinned out of that Kimba situation, and it's kind of like, wow, so what do the Celtics have to show for it? There ain't that much. And, you know, it, it'll be interesting. They don't really have a whole lot of really strong uh, creation outside of Tatum and uh, – you know, then Jalen Brown, but I, I think I can be okay with it for this year for them to kind of figure out what they have, what they're going to move forward with. Um, you know, I, I looked at their roster this morning just because I was like, I don't even remember who they have anymore because they haven't done anything this summer. <laughs> They've got Richardson, which, you know, that's something. Um, I'm okay. They're, they're young enough to where I think it's okay to kind of take a year to figure out where you're at, to figure out what will work for you, to figure out what you need and to figure out how big a leap forward these two guys can take. On the one hand, you would love to have somebody that's more of a ball handler that can kind of create for these guys. But, you know, if it's a year to kind of let them further develop some of that and then go out and get somebody else at a certain point, who knows what they'll do with Horford long term. Um, So, I mean, there'll be opportunities to do more, and I don't think you're quite at a point yet where, look, we were looking at Giannis and we were looking at some of the other guys, obviously Chris Paul, you know, being 10 years older than Giannis. Mm-hmm. Um, there's obviously an urgency to get everything figured out right now. I think Boston's young enough. They're, they're, top guys are young enough to where I think you can kind of live with taking a wait-and-see approach after this year. Um, you don't want to waste too much time, but I think it's pretty clear that, you know, if this team makes the playoffs, that's nice. If, if they don't, um, it wouldn't be surprising looking at the roster that they've got right now. Um, and I think that you just kind of bounce back from that and then you figure out what your next step is. How do you feel about it? I think it's probably a better question because I imagine you have more passion toward this subject than I do. I do have more passion. I do have more passion. Um, I would be surprised if they missed the playoffs. I'll say that right off the top. Okay. Um, I I mean, I could be wrong about this. I, I don't think that I am. This is just a full-on, this strategy in this offseason is full-on transparently. We are going to try to get Bradley Beal next summer. Like, that is, Mm. they are not attaching themselves. They have a mid-level that they're not spending um, multiple years on. They do the move to um, 
I guess it started with the Kemba Walker move where they shed some salary and they get uh, Horford's deal, which is much easier to get off of next summer if they need to. Um, uh, the Josh Richardson transaction, one-year deal, then he's a free agent. Uh, Marcus Smart is a free agent. They have not extended him, even though I would assume he wants to be extended. So they're really keeping the books as clean as possible for next summer. And the idea there is just obviously we want to sign Brad Beal, add him to Jason Tatum, his his best buddy, um, and Jalen Brown. And that's going to be your big three as the Nets presumably age out of whatever they are at um, with the guys that they have. Um, so that's, I think, the strategy long term. And I think that this could safely be called a bridge year. Like, I don't think that they are a title contender. I do think that Jason Tatum is one of the five best players in the conference, and Jalen Brown is very good and could be a top 18 player in the NBA next season. Um, that was a really arbitrary number that I just threw out Yeah, there, it was. But... <laughs> I was like, you went, you went through and counted the first 17. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think they have a lot of talent. I do like the Josh Richardson signing. You know, a lot of people are criticizing them for not having a true point guard on the roster, really. I'm fine with Marcus Smart handling the ball. I'm fine with Jason Tatum making plays. Jalen Brown took strides there. Josh Richardson, when he was in Miami, was a pretty good pick-and-roll playmaker. So I'm not an Al Horford also at the top. He can he can play create a little bit from the elbows. So I'm not really like too worried about them not having a point guard. But you do make a good point about, you know, you lose Kemba and uh, you also lose Evan Fournier, who's the guy who they traded for. Sure. Um, uh, trying to fill with uh, Gordon Hayward's trade exception, uh, partially before last year's trade deadline. So, you know, that stings maybe a little bit. But again, they're prioritizing long-term cap flexibility. And to get there, they're going to basically have to strip down the entire roster besides Jalen and Tatum. So that's going to be really interesting to see. But I do think that that is the strategy here for the Celtics, um, a team that, you know, sees every season that does not result in a championship as a disappointment um can so i ask you something th- as you as you say sure. that um sure were, were you surprised because it seemed like it was very targeted at a certain moment either right before free agency or in the middle of it where all of a sudden and i i want to say it was right after the westbrook deal um which obviously trading russell westbrook away from your team is a big step and mm-hmm. You would think you probably don't do that without talking to Brad Beal first. Um, that it was a pretty targeted sort of thing. You started seeing more and more things about how Bradley Beal was pretty pleased with what Washington was doing. Did you kind of think or expect that he might ask out at some point within this last week? And were you surprised that he kind of recommitted or rededicated himself to the situation? Not not really, man. Um my read on Brad Beal's situation, and this is not reported or anything, this is just on everything that he said publicly and privately that has been reported, I guess. But he's super committed to Washington, um, and he's also wanting to win. And so that's the reason why he did not, um, when he signed that last extension, could have been longer, but he was giving himself flexibility here to enter free agency if the Wizards, a long dysfunctional organization could not get their stuff together and i do like this wizards team i do like the spencer dinwiddie move i think that contavious caldwell pope montres harrell and kyle kuzma i don't know what team in the league would not rather have those three than russell westbrook except the los angeles lakers um <laughs> so so like i i think the wizards are, are could be really good 
Um, not really good, but you know, I think that they could be a playoff. They're gonna team. be fun. If nothing else, they're, they're gonna, gonna be fun. But they sure. could, but yeah. they could definitely make the playoffs with that group. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we could make this a whole. I mean, we're gonna probably talk a little bit more about it later. But um, the Wizards are pretty good. So as a Celtics fan, that should scare you a little bit. Um, you know, especially if the Wizards finish with a better record than the Celtics, then you know, I don't. I don't know. A lot can happen in a year, and I don't think that I'm not going to call Boston's strategy the greatest, but I do think that that's what they're doing um, to chase that third star. And if he chooses to resign, then you got to pivot. And I don't really know what the plan B is there, but I'm sure they have a plan B and a plan C and a plan D, and they can take it from there. Yeah, I just worry. I mean, it's funny because I it was when you said it and you're like well I'd be pretty surprised if they missed the playoffs I should have clarified for me I've gotten really the last few years and I think the Celtics were a good example of this last year with some of what they're dealing with with COVID and everything else I worry about teams that have a guy or two at a position um, when mm-hmm. you talk about a team that doesn't have like a traditional starting point guard which I think it's fine that you don't but all of a sudden it puts a lot of pressure on Marcus Smart who plays a very physical brand of basketball you look at something like Horford which Horford is a perfectly fine player you know I think sometimes we get lost in the conversation about what someone's making or what their contract is like he's just a a decent player at this point I think you could even say he's a good player still um when he's you know when he's out there um but if he's if he you know is older and does get hurt does it put too much pressure on other guys on on Rob Williams and other people so i worry about that a lot and obviously if you don't have a starting point guard and you've got Jalen out there and you've got Tatum out there god forbid if one of them gets hurt kind of how much pressure it puts on the other one in terms of just creation and um you know i've covered teams like that in the past where it doesn't really look to be a problem that you've only got one guy at one position or you know, older guys at a certain position. But then when you take one of those cogs out of the, the rotation because of an injury or anything else, it just puts so much more strain on everybody else. So um, that that's where I'm saying if if something goes wrong, that I just don't know that they're really balanced the way that you would hope to where I could see it being more of an issue. Um, I mean, obviously the talent is there. Like you said, I think Tatum clearly has enough talent on his own to kind of drive them there, let alone Jalen Brown, let alone the other guys you've got, the rotation guys you've got. Yeah, I mean, you know, if they did miss the playoffs, it wouldn't be the greatest shock of all time. The Eastern Conference is really good if you look at these teams. All of a sudden, yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, So we'll see. They have their work cut out for them. Um, Speaking of another team that has their work cut out for them, uh, we we mentioned them a little bit, but the Los (laughs) Angeles Lakers. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to real quickly, I guess – read you the players they added and the players that they lost, and then we can kind of sift through the carnage here. Uh, so the Los Angeles Lakers, since the first day of free agency, have added Carmelo Anthony, Malik Monk, Dwight Howard, Trevor Ariza, Wayne Ellington, Kent Bazemore, and Kendrick Nunn. They've retained Taylor Horton Tucker and Marcus Gasol. They lost Alex Caruso, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Madras Harrell, Andre Drummond, and Kyle Kuzma. TBD on Dennis Schroeder, but, you know, it's likely he's gone, I would think. And maybe you can do a sign-and-trade to get something back for him, but that feels like a long shot to me. Um, 
What do you think about the Lakers, Chris? I know that you just wrote something about them for the site on up on SI.com, and I have not had a chance to to read it yet because it went up right before we started recording. But just what are your what's your general read on this team right now? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, this is one of those where, uh, yeah, it, you gambled big. I'll, I'll put it that way. You gambled pretty damn big to bring a third star into the team, which I think it's fine to do that. Um, I'm going to go back to a conversation I remember having with Zach Lowe last year um, where it was the day after the whole uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich thing happened mm-hmm. with, uh, with Milwaukee, and it fell apart. And Zach asked me, he was like, well, what do you think of what the Bucks did? And he's like, let me preface that by saying, take out the craziness with Bogdanovich like, just look at what the Bucks did. Because if you frame it through the prism of, well, they could have had this, you're going to kind of miss what they actually did. And it's funny because obviously the Bucks won the title. So mm-hmm. you can't always view it through the lens of, you know, what, what could they have had? Like, if you just look on paper at what they did, it's, it's fully possible to look at what they did and say that they're a better team. I, I wouldn't agree with it. Um, and it's, I think for whatever reason, it's harder for me this time to, to look solely at what they did and not what they could have done when you look at the Buddy Heald stuff. Um, to me, adding Buddy Heald and, and trading for Buddy Heald and finding a way to do that, if you could have kept the majority of your core guys, to me, that would have been a home run move just because I think the Lakers have long needed more shooting. Buddy Heald would add that. Buddy Heald is obviously not a very good defender but you have enough defense on your team to really absorb him and not really, you know, you don't worry about them being ranked 30th in defense by adding him to the team. Um, It would have allowed you to keep some of the defenders that you just lost by going out and getting Russell Westbrook. You mentioned Caldwell Pope. Kuzma's fine on that end. Um, And Caruso, I think, is a a very sneakily huge loss. I mean, Lakers fans know that. Um, You know, I think... Not even sneaky. I just think it's a huge loss. It's just a big, big loss. I mean, this was a team that ranked number one defensively last year because of a lot of these guys. And, you know, even with AD missing all the time he missed, which he missed, what, half the season, more than half the season, whatever it was. Um, I mean, a lot of these guys were the reason that you ranked number one on defense. It's not to take anything away from Vogel and his schemes and everything like that. But, you know, just Mm -hmm. a big loss and a guy that – is a really nice secondary ball handler, a guy that isn't a great shooter but knocks down a number of, of big shots uh, and just grinds and, you know, is pretty much a homegrown guy that you had. So I think it's a big loss for them um, and a really good pickup for Chicago, by the way. Um, so that's the prism that I'm looking through the, the Westbrook deal at, and I know that you're asking about the guys they added aside from him, but to me... and this is what I wrote in my story that just went up, that maybe one of the two or three biggest questions in the NBA this year, in my opinion, should be how does Russell Westbrook settle into the idea of being a number three option? Because so often I think about a number three option and perfect number three options as Ray Allen, as Chris Bosh, and everybody who is pro this Lakers trade, you know, in support of this Lakers trade, is saying, yeah, but you're forgetting that Westbrook's going to be a number three option. No, I'm not forgetting that. I'm asking, <laughs> can Russell Westbrook punish defenses that neglect to defend him? 
in the same way that Ray Allen and Chris Bosh were able to do. And I mean, the, the clear difference between those two and Russell Westbrook is that if you leave Russell Westbrook alone, he may not be able to knock down a shot to really punish teams for it. And he doesn't really move that well off the ball. I, I went back and looked. Um, his most efficient form of offense when he actually does it is cutting off the ball toward the basket. He has cut off the ball an average of 29 times per season over the last five seasons. Um, even though he basically scores 65% of the time when he actually does it, when his possessions end that way. So, you know, that's my question is like, okay, so if you're not cutting and you're not really a knockdown shooter when the ball gets swung to you, I mean, quite frankly, that's the way teams defend Russell Westbrook anyway when they're trying to kind of get in his head and dare him to shoot is that they dare him to shoot. So I don't – man, I, I understand how he can be helpful. I understand he can push the tempo. I understand that he's a great rebounder for his position. Um, I understand that sometimes he's going to make really big, game-changing defensive plays. Um, but we, we know what his weaknesses are. So I, I just don't know if he's even going to have the driving lanes that you want him to have with this group that's not always spaced out. Now, I will say this, and this is the last thing I'll say because I've kind of been long-winded with this answer – um, they did just add five guys that shoot 38% or better, shot 38% or better from three last year. So it's not to say they don't have any spacing. It's not to say that they don't have anybody that can shoot. They added guys that can shoot. Um, I don't know that I trust all of them in, in this situation. And I, even if I do, I don't feel nearly as good or like they have nearly as much margin for error defensively you know, or offensively anymore because of how much they really gave up defensively to make this deal for Russ. That's the part of it I really don't like, even if they're able to figure out enough of the offense. Right. It's like when they won the championship, their third best player, arguably, was Contavious Caldwell-Pope. And now for you to really get the most that you can out of your big three, you kind of need Russ to play like Contavious Caldwell-Pope. So that's why I just fundamentally don't understand the transaction on its face um, at all. But you bring up a really good point, which is, you know, in attempting to compensate for their underwhelming offense, which according to cleaning the glass was 11th when they won the title and 23rd last season. And I know that there were a bunch of injuries, but still 23rd. Um, They basically sacrificed their strength, which is defense and their identity, which is defense for offense but the players that you were alluding to those three-point shooters those guys aren't on the floor in the playoffs because they can't guard anybody so when i think about how the lakers would match up against like say they're they say they match up against phoenix again in the playoffs in the first round who is guarding chris paul who is guarding devin booker like i look at this roster and i'm like you're who are you comfortable with putting on either of those two players. And that doesn't even begin to speak to all of the other really talented teams in the Western Conference that they'll have to defeat in order to get to the Western Conference Finals, let alone the Finals. So I'm just really low on this team, and I think that a lot of the rationalization that is positive is LeBron and AD won the title two years ago, so who are we to criticize this team? And my response to that is like, Every single player who was on that team, except LeBron, AD, and Taylor Horton Tucker, is no longer on that team. And a lot of those role players were very critical. And they also 
the margin with, with which they won the title in the bubble was not the greatest. So I don't really like that argument. And I don't think that their offense got especially better. And I think their defense got a lot worse. So mm. not a huge fan of the Lakers um, offseason, but we will see. LeBron is already I, I, saying for us to keep, you know, keep up that narrative energy, which I love. I love that tweet. Um, I, keep, I will keep up um, my narrative energy. <laughs> I keep thinking too, like, I think maybe more than any other offseason I can remember, you know, the, the takes, and even some of my own takes, so I'll, I'll, I'll own that, um, have like come before enough of the dust has settled. Um, I think that was certainly Fair. true for a lot Fair. of people with the way, the way that they looked at the Knicks. Um, and I think, you know, for me, I was, I was a little bit critical, certainly, when they traded for Westbrook on Twitter. But then, you know, people were like, well, this doesn't preclude them from doing more. Wait to see who they get. And in my mind, the Buddy Heald thing seemed like such an obvious move for them that my initial thought was like, oh, they must still be able to do that. You know, I'm not a cap expert. I don't know exactly how different um, maneuvers work or what they could do within the CBA to, to still get him. But mm-hmm. surely they've got a way to get him because there's no way you would pass up an opportunity to get Buddy healed for everything he would add to that roster. Um, so I keep thinking that they might have another ace up their sleeve. Like you mentioned before, maybe there's a sign of trade to be done with Shooter. Um, but yeah, as it stands, I mean, it's I, I understand what they're doing. Um, I also think we, we shouldn't overlook the fact that uh, look, Brooklyn seemed really close to kind of pulling off what they were trying to do last year which is if you've got three stars on this roster at that level, you may not even have to be fully healthy to win the whole thing. And if Brooklyn could have gotten past Milwaukee or if James Harden could have recuperated enough as they did that, there's a very good chance they could have won the whole thing. Certainly come out of the East at least. I think they would have beaten Atlanta. Um, Maybe you're of the opinion that, look, AD and now even LeBron to some extent are a little bit frail um, or a little bit more injury prone. And if you add one more guy into that loop that, you know, the Lakers wouldn't have been in a play-in situation if you'd had Russell Westbrook there. That, you know, if you've got all three of them healthy, that no one can beat you. I certainly don't feel that way. And I think most of us probably don't feel quite that strongly about Russ. But you can understand the thinking, the logic behind it. I Again, I just am with you that I don't think that it was worth giving up what they had to to get them. And in particular, if this is all their roster is going to be, that there's not one more sizable move. I'll also add one last thing, because like I said, I've been long-winded with this whole segment. No, um, go. I would have felt a lot differently about this um, offseason for them if they had been able to get Patty Mills, which it sounds like they really wanted to, and he That'd just chose to go to Brooklyn. I, I would have probably felt a lot differently about this offseason for them, just because I feel like he's a really stabilizing force, is a great shooter, um, and just hustles his butt off. Like, Not a great defender, but someone that understands schemes has played within a great defense for a long time and um, it's just a pain in the ass so i i i would have loved a lot i would have loved this a lot more if if he and you know that's to some extent out of their control but obviously when you bring in russell westbrook at the money that he's going to cost you contract wise you know that it was within their control but they went the route that they went so um you know i also understand patty mills wanting to play for brooklyn so 
I understand Patty Mills wanted to play for Brooklyn as well. Um, we're going to talk about that later. Yeah, maybe, you know, to be fair to the Lakers, maybe they sign Avery Bradley, someone like that, get them in on a vet man. I don't know. We'll see. Um, the offseason is not over, so maybe we shouldn't completely bury the Lakers yet, but I just did, and I have absolutely no regrets <laughs> about doing so. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans, and yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. So speaking of the team that Alex Caruso went to, the Chicago Bulls, I want to ask you about the DeMar DeRozan uh, sign-in trade that sent DeMar to Chicago on a three-year, $85 million deal, sent Thad Young, Al Farouk Aminu, a future first, and I believe a second to the San Antonio Spurs. This was a very polarizing move. A lot of smart people... Um, who are people who I, I think are are very bright and smart and and insightful, um, who have expressed their thoughts, um, are a complete one eighty on my opinion of what happened here. I'm a pretty big fan, and I wrote about that on the site yesterday. Um, what was your reaction to Demar going to Chicago, and just what do you think it does for the Bulls? Do you like it for them? Yeah. Well, first of all, I do. It's it's funny. Uh, maybe you and me just have to pull out our swords here and just fight everybody. Um, <laughs> because I don't I don't think he told you, but Jarrell, who for people that aren't SI employees, um, is one of our editors here, our NBA editor, one of our NBA editors here at SI. Shout out Jarrell. I I had texted him earlier in the week. He asked me what I wanted to write about, and it was before again before the dust had settled in free agency. So I was like, I'm not sure yet. Maybe something else big will happen. But for now, you know, I'm thinking that I might actually want to do something on 
DeRozan because I can't believe nobody's picked him up yet. And he was like, nope, Michael beat you to the punch with that one. He's literally writing something on how he's like kind of the underappreciated star that everybody's overlooking here. And I was like, that MFR beat me to the punch. I didn't know that. But it made me, it was funny because then then when I switched gears, I was like, well, I think I'm going to write about Russell Westbrook as a third option. He's like, Rohan's writing about the Lakers. I was like, that MFR. Um, so me and me and Rohan reached, a, reached an agreement. He was like, you could have it. I didn't feel that strongly about it. Um, but no, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. And, you know, I'm not ever going to sit here and pretend that I watch more basketball than everybody or anybody. But I've, I've watched DeMar enough. Like, you know, I think those of us in, in this position, you know, at this site, uh, make a point to try to watch the teams that other people aren't watching. And mm-hmm. I can't help but say and wonder, like, if a lot of people just haven't really watched the Spurs the last few years. And, um, you know, DeRozan, and I think you made this point in your story, and I thought it was a great one, that even if you've kind of been out on DeRozan for a few years or for most of his career, whatever, um, he took fewer of his shots from the area that a lot of people really don't like him shooting from last year, really less than he ever has, and still gets to the basket a ton. And aside from that, I mean, I think he immediately becomes Chicago's best passer. Um, I think that would have been true of a couple places that he could have gone. I mean, I, I was a little bit surprised. Like, a lot of people – well, I won't say a lot of people. A few people said this, and I think it was, it was an interesting thing to consider. Like, the Knicks very easily could have had this offseason if they had been a little bit less interested in bringing back their own guys and said, we just need to change some of this up to give us more of an offensive ceiling – this is the stuff that the Knicks could have done. And I think the Knicks have done very well for themselves, by the way. So it's not to say that they should have done that. Um, but, I mean, you, you, you plug in someone. And I think that DeRozan is the sort of player that you can potentially plug in. When we were just talking about the Celtics, how they don't have a traditional starting point guard. Right. I think you can kind of get away with that more easily when you've got DeRozan in your offense. And so I, I was really surprised that, um, that really nobody was seemingly that aggressive about getting him. I don't know what the other teams were trying to offer, um, but I like it for them. I mean, I I really like the Bulls offseason. I I don't know what exactly it does for them ceiling wise. You know, maybe if everything breaks right, they can have the sort of season that the Knicks did last year, where they're a four or a five. I don't know that I think that that'll happen. Um, I still don't love them defensively. I think Lonzo and, and Caruso are great from that standpoint. I don't see them as having a great. Uh, well, Caruso is, is better, but I, they don't have a great point of attack defense, I don't think. I think that they're, they're really good with help. I think Lonzo in particular. I think Caruso will be fine. But you've got DeRozan back there. You've got uh, Levine, and you've got Vucevic, which, yeah. I, they, they could be, if they're decent defensively, I think that they should be happy. Um, but just generally speaking, I mean, their offense is a lot more versatile than it was a week ago. Um You've got more guys that you have to kind of watch out for. Alonzo can knock down a three. Caruso can create a little bit. DeRozan can create a lot. DeRozan can hit his own shot. You know, I think we it's very fair to critique what he'll do or what he can do in the playoffs. The Bulls ain't been there in a minute. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have to try to take advantage of, and not to mention this is the last year of Levine's contract. You have to win, or you have to at least show that you're putting a foot forward to try to win right now. And, you know, th- this is an interesting route to take. The Bulls now have essentially three all-stars on this team, all of whom, at least for now, are, have kind of been fringe-level all-stars. 
So when we talk about super teams, I mean, this is not a super team. No one would make that mistake of saying that, you know, but they do have three all-stars. And so there are going to be some expectations now. It'll be interesting to see the way they fit, but I think they found a maybe the best point guard in the market that could really fit what they needed, someone that doesn't need a ton of shots but can knock down open ones and can distribute the ball. And they got another high-level distributor who could score his butt off. And um, so I like it, and I was really surprised that not everybody else did. Yeah, you made a really good point about uh, Levine, this being the last year of his deal. And, you know, if Beal stays in Washington, Levine's just going to go right to the Celtics. So um, the pressure was on Chicago with this one. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, no, you, I mean, <laughs> one of the reasons why I wanted to write this was, you know, I watched a ton of Spurs basketball, probably too much last season because of the story I wrote about DeJounte Murray. And I just made a point to basically watch him on the floor uh, whenever the Spurs played. And I was just watching that season. I was like, DeMar DeRozan is ridiculous, man. Like, I understand all of the blemishes. I understand the defense. I understand that he's unwilling. And I say unwilling instead of unable because, like, I think he can make threes. He just doesn't want to take them. So right. I think what did that you have a play- three point attempt rate at? It was like 8% or something lower than 8%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like seven point something like that. Um, my very, eyes very low when I read that number. Yeah. Yeah. He's like the only guy in the league who has a usage that high with a three point rate that low. It doesn't happen in the NBA today. But when you have someone who has his vision, has his selflessness, can really make every read out of the pick and roll is like the thing about, um, like the long two, it's like if you're going to have a high volume, you need to make them a ton. Like no one craps on Kawhi, no one craps on KD, and DeMar was making them. So if DeMar can make them, then there's really no issue. He also gets to the free throw line basically as much as anybody. That's the most efficient shot in basketball. So I, yeah, I just, I struggle. I understand people who are obsessed with the three-point line. We, you and I, like analytics, we understand the value of numbers. We're not arguing with math. But there is a place in the NBA for guys like DeMar. Um, I think he can be the center of a very good offense. I think with Levine, who can shoot, Booch, who can shoot. We haven't really talked about Lowry Markinen. I don't know what's going to happen there. He can shoot. Yeah. Um, so Lonzo Caruso, Patrick Williams was a very good corner three-point shooter as a rookie. Um, I just like adding a guy who's very good and i don't care that it was three years 85 million dollars i don't you think worry that that about is that like, stuff later i mean exactly. it, that's what i was really blown away by that other teams weren't willing to say flaws aside we could really use you i mean <laughs> there's a lot of teams that just seem like they're stuck kind of when we talk about the east and being competitive in the east or or even the west there aren't that many difference making guys and i mean the more talent you already have on your team which Chicago already had a little bit obviously before adding him the the less you should be worried about flaws here and there um I mean I mean I think Brooklyn and again Brooklyn is on a different level but I think they proved that health you know the Lakers just proved that with regards to their health you got I mean they just got maybe the most flawed star there is in a lot of ways um I mean but then again uh, we're not maybe not even saying, a star we're, someone might not even say he's a star you're going to get in trouble for saying that. I know, um, I know, I'm sorry. They're going to come out, they're, they're going to find you. Uh, 
<laughs> but uh, but I mean, and maybe we shouldn't be using that as an example of what you should go out and do, since we both you know kind of criticized that move. But on some level, you you should take swings, some swings with more talent. Certainly, talent at that caliber, at that level. He's not old. He hasn't really had a long injury history or anything like that. I mean, he, look to me, I would be more concerned about an offensive talent who doesn't pass the ball on a team like that than I would be about someone that doesn't defend all that well. And he does not defend 100%. well. But um, the fact that he moves the ball, I mean, I would be concerned if he didn't pass the ball well and he was playing with Levine, who who can be a little tunnel vision sometimes. Uh, but, I mean, DeRozan, like I said, I think he becomes the best passer on that team immediately. And I, Or I'm sorry, well, they got Lonzo now, so I, I'm, I keep saying that. Um, it... it I, I'm just very, very surprised. Very surprised that um, I thought there'd be more of a, of a race to get him and the fact that he wasn't off the board until the second day and the fact that the contract to me seems pretty reasonable and the fact that they didn't have to even give up marketing in the sign and trade to get him. Um, it was a weird, just a weird sort of thing. I, I'm very surprised that that's all it took. Yeah, I like that young. Losing him stinks. I do too. Um, I thought he was pretty good for them last year for sure. Um Maybe but they his passing is one of the best things about him, you know, and so if that's what you're losing and you get DeRozan. No, um, it's, a, it's a really, really good point. Absolutely. Um, and another guy that was, wasn't trying to take no, that no, many threes, you know. Um, no, yeah, so, I mean, absolutely. It's, like, it's it's just an upgrade. It's, a, I mean, a similar player. I know that is a little bit bigger um, and can do a little bit, and obviously a much better defender too, I think. But um, I sure, think, you sure. know, I, I think that this was a, a an upgrade all day long for the Bulls, and I think they've done a good job this summer. Yeah, so I just want to make one last point about DeRozan. Um, the the who were they bidding against cries that I've been hearing all over the place. Um, I just fundamentally think that players who had the last two seasons that DeMar just did, who are only 31, deserve to get paid what they're worth. Like, call me crazy. Like, this guy made $27.7 million last year. So why should he take a pay cut? Like... He didn't get worse. He got better. So if you're the Bulls and you want him and you value him, why would you offer a lower figure than he just earned? That's just like, I, you know, I, that's just maybe I'm being naive with that logic, but that makes sense to me that he would get the amount of money that he did. Um, and again, is if anything, what we've learned about the NBA is you pay guys now and you worry about everything else later. And if you have a smart front office, you're able to make things work. That's just how it is. Or you do what Daryl Morey did and you say you want to spend time with your family and then you go to Philadelphia. Like it's, it is what it is. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to come after you, sir. If not them, Daryl Morey will. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Daryl. Um, so, okay, do you want to talk – what do you want to talk about now? Do you want to talk Knicks? We, we've mentioned them a little bit, but do you want to kind of dive into um, – because Rohan and I kind of killed them a little bit on our episode earlier this week, and that was before the Kemba yeah. news and the random. Yeah, it was on entry, incomplete so. information, basically. That's the thing is that I – you know, I, I just think we're uh, – you know, and I think all of our sites and not just us probably, you know, want grades on free agency. And the truth yep. is, is even <laughs> with it moving this quickly – um, you know, it's all fluid. It's, not, it's all very. Fluid. It's not complete, and I mean, to me, I'll be really honest. You know, props to the Knicks, which feels like you know, over time, we haven't been able to say that all that often. Um, I had kind of forgotten that Kimba was out there for the taking and, or for the trading or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and look, I mean, he's been banged up and you know did not have the greatest year. I think he he finished it a lot better than the way it started. 
Um, but hey, again, they, they got Fournier, which was a deal that they had been somewhat criticized for. Um, the two things we learned, one, that apparently they have team options on basically all these deals uh, for the final year of all these deals, which I think changes the way you would think about it. It's huge. And two, Absolutely huge. Huge, huge aspect of it. And, and two, um, that we were looking at them saying, like, are you going to make Derrick Rose a starter now? Are you just going to go out there and just assume that you've got enough ball handling to where you don't need a traditional point guard? Um, they knew that Kimba was out there. I assume because of the way they operated that they must have known that Kimba wanted to come there. Um, and so they didn't go out and rush to go get someone and pay Lonzo $21 million a year or anything like that. And so for what they got him for, which I think it was $8 million a year for the next two years, um, I mean, Kimba, I don't care how diminished he looked the last couple of years. Like, he's worth that. Um, there's really no risk in, in paying that little for somebody of that caliber um, if he can give you anything. And even if he can't, you've got Derrick Rose there, hopefully, um, that you're not, you know, that he's not too diminished and not too banged up, that he can go out there. Um, so it's really hard not to like what they did, understanding the full context of it, not to mention that this morning the Julius Randle uh, numbers come out, mm -hmm. and they're not bad. I mean, like, this is all stuff. None of it really hurts you long term, considering that you've got the flexibility to change up if you need to because of those team options and the fact that Kemba's not making that much. Fournier is, you know, three years at what I would say is decent money. It's not crazy. And um, quite frankly, I mean, Randall, I, I didn't want to see the max Randall just because I kind of felt like, you know, some of his flaws were laid bare in the postseason, but you can live with paying someone, I think, what will come out to less than 30 a year. I think that's fair. And it sounded like he wanted to to give them a little bit of a deal to show that he was committed and wanted to help the team build. And so mm -hmm. it's hard not to like that. Yeah, I'd give them probably like a solid B-plus uh, for free agency. I think they've done a really good job. I think the uh, when I look at the Kemba Walker acquisition, it reminds me, like I want to do the Drake hotline bling meme where it's like Kemba at the max, no thank you. <laughs> Kemba, Kemba at $8 million, Damn yes, it, please Michael. give that to me immediately. Um, I just think that that was like a great addition for them. And Kemba's, like, it's impossible not to like Kemba. Like, he prob his knee probably prevented the Celtics from winning the title in 2020, but I still can't even hold anything against him. I love him. He's incredible. Um, he'll be really good, hopefully, in New York, and all the best to him. And to piggyback on everything you just said about Randall, like, this is someone who's cashing out on a season that might be unsustainable. So I think it's really smart for him, first of all, to get the, the – the, it's not the max, but it is the most money that he could get on an extension. So shout out to him for that. Um you know, he led the league in minutes last season. You yeah. don't know what could, he could get hurt next. Anything could happen. He could get hurt. Um, the Knicks could miss the playoffs. His numbers will likely go down because they just added Kemba. They just added Evan Fournier. Um, RJ Barrett's on the roster. Uh, you know, Alec Burks is coming back. So guys need shots. Like, I think it was really smart for him. And it was a really good sign by the Knicks to show. You know, we're willing to reward our guys. And I think that that matters for a team that is definitely, I think, going to build through free agency here to try to get to a championship level eventually. So so, so paying your guys, showing respect that way, I think that that goes, that goes somewhere. And that means something. So I think the Knicks, 
I gave that Evan Fournier deal, I think, a C minus, I want to say, uh, like 10 minutes after I learned about it. Um, I would addend that. Um, and I would I would say that, yeah, I think that if we're doing letter grades, B plus, sure. Maybe even an A minus, honestly, for the New York Knicks this offseason. It was, it's been fantastic. Yeah, um, So where do you want to go here from, Chris? Um, do you want to talk Wizards at all? Spencer Dinwiddie? Did that did that signing tickle your fancy at all? Do you have any thoughts there? I just think they're going to be a pain in the ass to play against uh, for defenses. I mean, I, they've got guys that can get to the basket whenever they want to. Uh, they've got a lot of shooting still, um, which in some ways was the way it was last year. But I just think Dinwiddie, um, whereas Russ has those stretches and those spells where he'll get really uh, jumper happy, Sometimes and obviously he he switched that up a little bit during the season. Um, Dinwiddie is just really dogged about getting to the basket, and um, I just kind of feel like you know they're going to live at the free throw line. They're going to score a lot of points, which again is kind of the way they've been. Uh, it's going to be a fun team. I don't really know what to expect from them. I think that they'll be a little bit better. Um, which you know, again, if you're just trying to keep Beal in the fold, you want that. Um, I'm excited. That what I keep thinking about too, as I was thinking about this podcast, was. I really hope Thomas Bryant can come back mm. um, just because I kind of feel like it would add a lot to them as well to have him and the stuff that he can do. I, I'm going to really look forward to watching them play. I'm not really sure what I expect from them. I think that they could be pretty decent. Um, but yeah, the Dinwiddie move, you know, when I said at the top of what we were doing, uh, or I guess even before we started podcasting, I think a lot of my feelings about a lot of these signings were like, they made sense. They weren't crazy. They weren't astronomical. We all want to have the hot take on everything. Maybe we just saved all that for Russ and the Lakers. I'm not sure. But uh, most of these moves, like the money that he got, the years, like I think the years were appropriate just given that he's had some injury stuff. Um, I'm fine with it. I think it was smart for, for the Wizards. Assuming he's healthy, he's just a straight-up better basketball player than Russell Westbrook, in my opinion. I, I I don't know if that's super controversial. I don't know if you if you disagree or whether or not you agree, but like – that's a big upgrade, in my opinion, for the Wizards. And then you add on all those other players that you got for Westbrook. And this looks like a, a legitimate basketball team. And it speaks to, like, the Eastern Conference, I think, is better than the Western Conference now. And Mark Stein pointed that question out in one of his recent Substack newsletters that all of you should subscribe to. But it got me thinking about, like, how the Wizards just have a ton at stake this season as a non-contender and, like, if they don't make the playoffs, I think that could spell the end of their relationship with Beal. <clears throat> if they do make the playoffs and are competitive, maybe even win a series, why would he leave, given his um, all the statements he's made about being loyal to the Wizards? So I think there's a lot at stake here, and I think Dinwiddie certainly makes them a better team. You made a really good point about them getting the free throw line. He's one of the best at that, drawing fouls and everything, and I think... That gets overlooked when we talk about efficiency. Guys who draw fouls and make their free throws, that is efficient basketball. So Spencer Diddy Winnie, I like it a lot. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. 
Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. I have some rapid-fire questions that I want to run by you now. The first is... What team just makes you scratch your head the hardest? And if it's a team we have not already discussed, that would be wonderful. But if it is, that is okay. Well, I'll give you two really quick ones then because I know we got to try to cram in a couple of things here. I'm going to say that the Spurs, which probably feels a little bit unfair since they're clearly in a, in a rebuild phase. But um, part of that is just that I – like the Brent Forbes one kind of really I didn't understand. I mean, I know teams get their old players back sometimes, but he's a relatively young player still um, with a team that's got young guards. Um, so I didn't really understand unless they were like, we should have never let this guy go, which I didn't feel like he had that kind of season in Milwaukee. Um, I don't quite understand that. Um, what I don't understand more broadly about the Spurs is kind of, I just look at Greg Popovich and I'm like, I don't know how much longer he's going to do this. Um, I understand he may love doing it, but I just kind of, the idea of a rebuild with him, which we knew that that's what they were going to do. I just don't quite understand not having tried something fundamentally, fundamentally different or the idea of throwing like big money at Doug McDermott. I I just, I I just don't quite understand what's happening there on a more micro scale um, or maybe macro scale, depending on how you look at it. Uh, the Devontae Graham move for New Orleans uh, and the idea, not necessarily his money, but the idea of including a first-round pick for him, I, I kind of felt like, am I missing something mm. here? Um, and I, yeah. as we talk about trying to make sure your stars don't leave town, it's a little early to have that conversation about Zion, but um, I don't know that I've been that motivated or inspired by kind of what I've seen out of that front office and what they're doing lately. I don't know. Yeah, we talked a little bit about Devante in the last episode. I was not understanding the New Orleans Pelicans just um, at all, really. And Devante's agent is Zion's agent. So 
read between the lines there with what you will. Um, yeah. Who knows? Uh, I think they got significantly worse. And that's for a team that's like speaking like they need to make the playoffs or want to be competitive. I, I don't I don't get it. And that that adds to the, the sign and trade with Lonzo losing your third best player. It just didn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Um, and I agree with you about the Spurs, Zach Collins, that that contract blew me away. I Thought he was like yeah. uh, on his way out of the league. <laughs> Frankly, I um, forgot that they even got him. What was his seven and twenty-two or something like that? Um, yeah, or not three, seven. I'm sorry, three and twenty-two. So I was like, like seven damn, that's a year. long, long commitment to my guy Zach Collins. Um, yeah, no, yeah, three, yeah. three for twenty-two. I think it was. Uh, what are you gonna do? Um, maybe he'll pan out. Yeah. Hopefully, he does. I like the Spurs. I mean, I guess they're uh, a team that could take a risk. I mean, but it, yeah, I was a little bit surprised that he got anything more than like five. He just hasn't been on the court the last couple of years. That's a who are you bidding against, in my opinion. Like, who are you bidding against there? Um, Okay, so my team is Philadelphia. And this is a big TBD, obviously, because, um, you know, Ben Simmons is still on the roster. And we'll see what happens there. Uh, After they brought Danny Green back on a two-year $20 million deal, Daryl Morey tweeted a screenshot of the three best five-man lineups in the NBA implying that Philly can run it back or should run it back. I don't know. A um, little confused by that tweet uh, and what it means for Simmons and all that. But, you know, they add Andre Drummond. And that was um, – that that news broke, actually, when we were recording our episode earlier this week. And I'm still – I mean, I, I think Drummond is really good on a vet min as your backup big backing up Joel Embiid that's pretty good insurance that's overqualified insurance frankly but I just say if that's like your biggest move this offseason when you watch some mm-hmm. of the other teams of the Eastern Conference get better you're you're in trouble you're in trouble I, I, yeah I'm, I guess I'm holding out my opinion just because like you said the, the caveat is understandable sentence. and and yeah. I I can't imagine they bring the dude back like I get they're never getting four first round picks for this guy. I don't even know if you're going to get picks, four picks and swaps combined, you know, between the two of those things for mm-hmm. him. Um, I mean, it's just not realistic. But at the same time, I don't know what teams would be willing to get off of to get him. Um, but if you get something good, and I got skewered for something I wrote last week about him uh, for basically saying that, like, if I were the Nets, I'm not sure I would want him because I don't know that I need him because they got damn close to winning the whole thing last year without him. Um, but in was adding a, a fourth, is this like a is this like a Kyrie trade or what, what were you? Thinking? No, 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 no. Well, well, somebody asked me. Somebody wrote me like a mailbag thing, and they were like, "If you get, if uh, what was it that they said that they'd offer? It was Joe Harris and um, why am I blanking on the other person? Claxton, like." No, no, no. It was it was Joe Harris and uh, why am I blanking? Someone else that makes decent money, obviously, because you would need to equal his Jordan? contract. Jordan, DeAndre Jordan, not even who? What? Why am I blanking on? Man, I'm getting old, Michael. But anyway, that's okay. I was we like, uh, I was like, you know, I wouldn't probably do that if I was Brooklyn, and there were no picks involved. And the mm-hmm. Sixers fans ate my ass up on Twitter. They were like, <laughs> why would we ever do this? He's asking for four first round picks. We would never do this. I'm like, he's asking for whatever he wants, but he's not going to get it, which is why his ass is still sitting there. Um, so I don't know. I just, I, uh, oh, it was Dinwiddie. It was if they could figure out a, a sign and trade oh, to send okay. Dinwiddie 
and Joe Harris. And I was like, I don't know that Brooklyn would actually do that, but if Philly could get those guys in return, that would be exactly kind of what they need. They need more shooting, and you want someone that can handle the ball. But like I said, Philly fans ate my ass up and were like, never, you know, and basically were standing there with their arms folded like Daryl Morey. I mean, I get Mm. that there wouldn't be picks involved, but that's the sort of talent you need back and would get you a lot closer to a title, in my opinion. The Simmons thing, even as we're podcasting, I think there's like a report out that he's not like in touch with anyone from the Sixers and like won't respond to anyone from the Sixers. I just don't know if it's too far gone at this point to bring him back with the stuff that Doc said. Um you know, we've seen the picture, the video of Embiid kind of being in disbelief when Simmons passed up the dunk or the layup or whatever it was in the playoffs. It just kind of seems too far gone at this point. It's very clear they they want to move him somewhere. You don't have to, but it's very clear they would like to. So, yeah, I get what you're saying. I, I kind of feel like they have to move him somewhere. I'm just not sure what they'll get back. I mean, Woj reported that Simmons and Rich Paul, his agent, were in step with <laughs> yeah. a trade. So we trade's going to happen. Yeah, trade's going to happen. We both want this. All right, let's close on this question that I have for you, Chris. Um, Have any deals this offseason like significantly impacted next season's title race in your mind? And have any contenders been created or have any contenders potentially been demolished? Um, And I say that like, but like the the side addendum question to that question is: Did the Nets already win the 2022 NBA championship? Which their off season is just ridiculous in my mind. Like the rich just got richer. But what do you, what do you think right now? Yeah, I love that Patty Mills pickup for them. It was just great. Um, I mean, I think I think Miami. I don't think they're in that conversation just yet. I'd like to see them mm-hmm. play first. But I mean, it's it's very easy to like what they did. Um, you had one other question on our outline that we didn't quite get to where you asked about a, a player and team partnership. Um, you know, and, and I think for me, um, Miami and Lowry, just with kind of the grit that he plays with, um, I love it. I mean, I, I love that move for them. Uh, obviously, they gave up a decent amount to get them. Uh, but I... I really like that move for them. I think it does make them really interesting um, in a way that, you know, that sort of move last year, if they'd gone all in for Harden or something like that, could have made a difference for them, a big difference for them, something they needed. So I I think that they could be interesting, and I kind of feel like if the Nets aren't on their game or if the Nets are injured or something like that, Miami is the sort of team that I think could certainly have a redo now against Milwaukee and, and I think, you know, hold their own, certainly a lot better than they did last year. They'll have P.J. Tucker on their They'll side. They'll have P.J. Tucker, you know, so they got Morris. I, I, I like what they've done. Uh, I don't know that I'm ready to say that they're like an absolute contender, but it's also not hard to see how they could, you know, they could really hold their own in a series against a Milwaukee, against a Brooklyn. Um, so that's probably the one that I think that in the East shook it up the most. I think in the West you have to, again, look at the Lakers as a team that probably lost ground. Um you know, I think a lot of people feel like they strengthened, but I, I just think rotation-wise they got a lot weaker, in my opinion. Yeah, so to answer the question that I, I did not ask that you brought up about the player and team partnership, I love Lowry in Miami, don't get me wrong, and I do agree with you. I think that they went up a level, absolutely. Um, my player-team partnership was actually Kyle Lowry and the Dallas Mavericks. and Okay, yeah. That should, that's something I really just – I thought – 
like I, I would I think Lowry is a great fit in Miami and potentially makes them a contender. I think that if Dallas added Kyle Lowry, they would just straight up be a contender and I would almost based on just what I expect from Luca next season and how Lowry would impact him and impact Chris Stapps, like Dallas would be really good and Lowry would be the the, the certified missing piece there. So do you feel like that another... was more a function of just Lowry wanting to be in Miami, or do you think it was maybe that Miami was willing to give him more uh, in terms of, of money and stuff like that? Yeah, I don't. Dallas know. I, should have been willing good... to give up whatever they could, in my opinion. You know, like I right. just think three that... for right three for ninety is a lot. Are maybe Dallas was not willing to guarantee that third year, um, and Miami was. I don't. I do not know. I also think that just, you know, Kyle is friends with Jimmy. I don't know what Kyle's relationship is with Chris Asporzingis or Luka Doncic or if he has <laughs> right. one. Um, so I think that that stuff matters too. And I've never been to Dallas personally. I have been to Miami. Um, <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Okay. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, okay. So to, to, to really close out here for real now on – um, the question that I asked you here, uh, Tom Haberstroh has been tweeting out actual contracts, actual contract signings and how they measure up to what they were projected to be. And you just see like the Nets are getting the most value, like by by far out of any team. Like they got Blake Griffin at the veterans minimum. He could have gotten more elsewhere. Like that's just that's just a fact. Um Bruce Brown signing the qualifying offer after the season he had um, could have gotten more elsewhere. Definitely. Uh, and we talked about Patty Mills signing the taxpayer mid-level. I believe that Patty Mills could have gotten the full mid-level, full mid-level from someone else um, because he's just that good and that impactful on in a winning situation. So I think he could have gotten more elsewhere. Um, so I just think that the Nets further distance themselves from everybody, to be honest, if we're just looking at it like cold and stark terms. Um, anything can happen, though. We'll see. You know, in, look what happened last year. We all thought that the or at least I thought that the Nets were the clear front runner and um, would have just waltzed to the NBA championship if they didn't get all those injuries. But they did get all those injuries. And maybe those injuries will happen again. Who knows? We'll see. Um, it's going to be fun, though. Um, Chris, do you have any other parting thoughts for us? Um, any? No, no, no more. F- just ridiculously hot takes for the people. Are you good on everything? I was kind of disappointed that I didn't have more after the last couple days, but I just it, this actually felt like a pretty even keel uh, free agency, even with. Uh, I mean, I remember seeing some takes during the Kelly Olynyk deal with Detroit, and really, were there were like, Kelly Olynyk takes. People were like flying off the handle about. It. I'm like, uh, okay, there's a guy that's going to space the floor for you know he's a big first of all, which they always make more money, and he's going to space the floor for a team that needs spacing for their young guards. And like, I like that, you know. So I like that. Yeah, setting. maybe yeah. a couple million more than what I would have gone, but like it wasn't crazy, you know. And so I just kind of feel like when we're not weird, but like when some people are making a big deal out of that, it's like it's because there's not anything else to really point to that just looks outlandish. I mean, keep in mind, a couple of years ago, man, we saw Timothy Mozgov get like $900 million in the first two minutes 
a free agency. We, we, we ain't have anything like that this year. Um, so, I mean, it, it felt like an even kill free agency. Uh, I'm excited to see what comes of it. I'm excited to have a little bit of a gap with no Olympics and no free agency and no draft. <laughs> I think we all need I honestly think we all need it. And shout out to the WNBA. Make some time to watch that. Um, but I think, mm-hmm. I think the league needs a little bit of a break, and it'll be nice to have that. Yeah, speaking of someone who just went on vacation, I agree. Um, I would love to take another break, frankly. Uh, I think that that's, that's where we'll, we'll end this episode. This was a lot of fun, though. Um, thanks again to the entire Open Floor Globe for sending in all those emails. We'll get to more next week. Um, Rohan and I will be back early in the week. Chris and I will be back later in the week. Um so really appreciate you guys sending those into openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. In the meantime, stay safe and everybody enjoy the off season. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago street course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes, Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network.